welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? Yo, we are nine days into the season, and I know we're talking basketball, but my brain is temporarily broken by that Packers-Cardinals game. I don't know what the hell just happened in the last, I'd say, six minutes between the goal line stop by the you know by the Cardinals against the Packers were running shotgun from the half yard line and then ending in a Kyler pick when AJ Green wasn't even looking for the ball. So I'm gonna try to make it through this, but I'm still I got Kyler in fantasy. I had bets all around. Everything went to shit and bad mood right now. You're in a bad mood. I'm in a great mood because my Bucks are back in first place in the NFC, tied for sure. But I needed a Cardinals loss there. It happened. I'm feeling Do- good. Do the Bucks play the Packers this year? They don't, right? No. So we don't play the just... Cardinals or the Packers. Yeah, I mean, you guys literally play like the freaking high school teams in and around the Tampa St. <laughs> Pete area. I think you play like the the puppets in Disney World and then you go down and play like the South Beach like the wait staff at the Clevelander. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. That's our schedule. Um, but hey, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Um, Somehow, the Super Bowl champion who finished first in their division has the easiest schedule of all time. Meanwhile, okay. freaking Washington football team. Have you seen? I mean, not that we're good or we. It doesn't matter who we play, but it, they could have done us like one or two favors with this schedule. It's outrageous. Yeah, but like everyone keeps saying, like, oh, the Super Bowl champion somehow end up with an easy schedule. Well, you know, like except for two games or three now. Every other game in the schedule is predetermined. Like, we knew we were going to be playing the AFC East uh, yeah, this year. Yeah, but that is not something that's like, what do you mean it's predetermined? It wasn't like, come, it didn't come down from the gods. Like, it wasn't like there was like something, you know, Roger no, but I mean, like, was like traveling the desert in Egypt and he found this <laughs> fucking pamphlet that was like, the Bucks must play the AFC East. And the, what was the other division you have? NFC, NFC. East. Oh, yeah, it wasn't like <laughs> fucking spoken from like the Lord above. Like this is something they could they could no. They it's every four years them. in twenty twenty six or twenty twenty five. We're gonna play you guys in twenty twenty nine. We're gonna play you guys. Like I can tell you the schedule in two thousand thirty seven from now. Except why for did two they games. put the two mo- most moron divisions together as like what another? They're not together. Would play? It's like you play one NFC team NFC division every three years and one AFC division every four years. And so at some point. Two divisions will coincide. Two bad divisions, right? But not all the time. I don't know, man. It's it's Do your just homework, man. You don't even know how the schedule works. Jeez. I know how the schedule works. But the Bucks are still going to sit here at like sixteen and one or fifteen and two with literally they have two one test left, which is Buffalo. Yeah. And you could argue this week in New Orleans, maybe it's a test, but it's James 100%. Winston, so I don't know that that counts as a full test after what we what we saw with him and Geno Smith a few days ago, but. Nonetheless, I think the game against Buffalo is the only hard one, and that's at home. So I would expect this team to lose maybe one to two more games max. It's just ridiculous. Meanwhile, the Packers, who everyone says they have an easy schedule, play Kansas City. They play Arizona. They played San Francisco. They play Buffalo. They play Baltimore. I mean, yeah, but how many years has Rodgers gotten to just beat up on the Bears, Vikings, and um, Lions, right? And the same easy number that Brady has had to beat up on the Dolphins, Jets, and Bill. Uh, yeah, but the Bills, Bucks, the like, we. I mean, come on. Every now and then, you know, you get an easy schedule. It's fine. It's not like we've been doing every year. We have easy schedules. Last year we had a tough schedule. We played Rams. We played Packers. We played Chiefs. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, you got the, the wild Saints card twice? for that reason. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I'm just frustrated by it, but I'm I'm already ticked off by the way that game went down too. Um, why? Why? 
You you bet I, on Kyler Murray, didn't you? Well, he's on my fantasy team, and literally, instead of throwing the ball into the end zone, every time they got to the five, they would hand it off, and the Packers looked like they were allergic to tackling players inside <laughs> the five, just letting these guys run free into the end zone. And then I had this amazing few, uh, parlay that included Aaron Jones scoring two touchdowns, which, of course, he's getting stonewalled <laughs> at the half. They called the touchdown. I'm celebrating. I'm already going to FanDuel looking to catch this thing in. They bring it back, and then they just run into the wall three straight times, and Rodgers is making all sorts of weird faces. So, And there was no angle either. Like, I mean, it, I don't think he got I don't, in, know, how they I don't re- know how they overturned it. It was like... He, yeah, if that was called, either way that that was going to be called on the field would have stayed. Uh, I definitely do not think he got in. And maybe the fact that we both feel that way was enough evidence for them to overturn as well. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, the NFL moves on. Last week was so horrifically bad in terms of the quality of games that uh, I think we needed a big one to start the week off right in week eight. And we got it, even though it started off really ugly, a bunch of COVID absences and injuries. I think the fourth quarter and really the third quarter was so much fun. Just, it wasn't even great football at all times. It was just exciting. And two dudes going at it between Rogers and Kyler. Exactly. At any moment, you know, one of those guys could go off. So it was, uh, it was a good start to the NFL week. But anyways, we're a basketball podcast, right? We're a basketball podcast. We will dabble, right? We didn't even mention the World Series, which I don't know if either of us know what's going on or which teams it's are playing. Tied one or... one. Astros. No tied man, up. the Astros won tonight. That oh. would have that would make it two. I think they won tonight. They were up seven to two. Let me check. Oh. We don't even know. Um, but that would make it two one if they won tonight. Uh, baseball um, happens too fast. Like the World Series is over in like three days. What am I supposed to do? How much is to keep up? Oh, you are right. I'm sorry. Wait, no, they won. Oh my God, this is how much of a moron I am. I think I was watching a replay. <laughs> <laughs> the seven-two score was from Tuesday. I think that's what I thought, or from last night. I think that's what I thought I was watching again live tonight. Yo, traveling for work has got your mind scrambled, man. You're, you're back, not getting your baby. spreads picks in. You're making jokes that don't make sense in the in the group me. I'll tell you're, you what, though, watching I'll replays what, of though. games. Being on the road again, I feel alive for the first time in 18 months. Like, checking into the hotel, standing in the elite Bonvoy line versus the one with the plebes, like getting the room upgrades. I'm on, you know, I'm sitting on the flight. Everyone's coming up to me saying my name, giving me Stroop waffles and shit. Like, I feel alive. Let's just leave it at that. Like, I'm back. I think You I'm still have your back. status? So, because nobody got it in 2020, like qualified, they extended everyone. Yeah, just to the end of the year. Right, yeah, but yeah. then get this. I just got an email from Marriott saying I got extended again through 23. They're so desperate for people to stay with them that I don't think many people qualified in 21 either, right? Because how many people have been business traveling that much of this year? It's just yeah. started up in the last one to two months. And even that, it's been pretty limited. So, their old standards have to be completely reworked, I think, if they want you to fly with them. And honestly, you should just call them and be like, hey, I've got a bunch of business travel. All those listening out there, all the road warriors, um, <laughs> just call them up. Be like, yo, I got a bunch of business travel coming. If you give me status, I'll make you my preferred vendor. And I think they'll do it. I don't know. And whenever people tell me to do stuff like that, I feel like it never works. Like call yeah. your credit card company and threaten you're going to switch over and they'll you know, give you some extra perks. Yeah, they'll that. give you like a million dollars and like free <laughs> rent for a year. Yeah, no, that never works. I, Dude, I was I, – you, you, you were over at my place a couple of weeks ago. You saw all the furniture delays that we've been dealing with. Yep. And 
everyone's like, oh, just call and like you'll get further discounts and all this shit. And I'm just like, yeah, I should, right? And I'll try. And I called there. Like, I'm literally getting automated emails being like, we're sorry, your package has not arrived yet. We shall inform you when it does. And it's like totally not responsive to anything, any of my complaints. Like, they don't give a shit. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it never works. It never works. I don't care yeah. what people say. But business at hand or a week into the season um it's been a weird season so far um maybe every year starts like this and we just like each time we go through it it feels weird for the first time all over again but a lot of strange things happening a lot of uh contenders have looked vulnerable let's call it a lot of uh upstarts have have emerged so given you know the nature of the podcast and really the nature of my persona, we decided to do our five biggest overreactions each uh, based on the first, I think everyone's played at least three games. Most have played four or five. So our biggest overreactions, we're going to go back and forth. So once you name your first one, make your case for it, and then I will buy or sell, and then we'll go back and forth. And so you can choose whether to buy or sell mine and vice versa. So with that said, what is your biggest overreaction thus far in this young NBA season? So far, it's about the Washington Wizards. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm not starting there. I'll let you do that one. It's gonna. I'm gonna start off pretty easy. It's the Bucks are gonna repeat. I think it's it's case closed. They're gonna be the repeat champions. And look, the Nets clearly have not looked at like themselves. Harden is, and we'll talk about the Nets because Harden is a completely different player, not in shape, not getting any of the fouls. You look across the East, Philly with Embiid now, all of a sudden the health concerns are there. And you have a bunch of upstart teams like Atlanta and New York. But right now it looks like this is still going to be the Bucks championship to lose, especially when you look over to the West and you see the Lakers and we talked about this. The Lakers were the cream of the crop in the West, and there was a drop-off. And I don't care what the Jazz are doing, what the Warriors are doing. None of those teams are beating Milwaukee except possibly L.A. And so if, the way the Lakers are looking, I think the Bucks are going to end up repeating pretty easily, and Giannis is going to get championship number two. Did you misunderstand the assignment? You're picking the betting favorite. As the title repeat, and then calling it an overreaction. Yes, I'm buying this. I'm how buying are they the, this wait? Game. Hold on. How are they the betting favorite right now? If you look at Fanduel, I think the Bucks have the best odds, best or second best. I don't know yeah, how much they've we're, dinged. We're five games into the season, I don't know how much the they've dinged the Nets yet. Yeah, but even going into the year, they were number two. Lakers were three, I think. But nonetheless, I'm buying your take. I had the Bucks winning after I saw Game One versus Brooklyn. <laughs> And I saw Harden rolling on the court physically. Um, I love what this team's done. Now, they've lost a couple games, but they've also had injuries, right? Like they had um, Drew Holiday has been out. Um, Brooke Lopez has been out. It is crazy to watch pretty much how unstoppable Giannis is offensively. And he's had these 30-point seasons like multiple times, right? Last few years, including his MVP years, he was putting up these kind of historic numbers. Something about it feels just even more inevitable now. Um, I don't know if he's like added more strength. I mean, he's shooting that little jumper that he shot at, uh, you know, in the finals and in the playoffs a little bit more. But for the most part, he's putting up similar kinds of numbers, like 28 and 12, almost seven assists. But it's just flowing way better. He's up to 35% from three. 
you know, he's shooting 74% from the line. So whatever like limited weaknesses he had, he's, he's like on his way to closing them. If he gets to this version consistently, it could be a wrap. This is the best player in the NBA. And I don't know that it's an argument right now. Um, yeah, Giannis has looked just as dominant. And then they're getting production out of Nuora uh, with Dante DiVincenzo out. I don't even know who this guy was until this season. Um, yeah. And Grayson Allen also, like that was, we talked about the, that addition in the offseason. Yep. He's fit in really nicely. Uh, and so like this team is, is they feel like they've gotten better. They've retooled. They lost PJ Tucker, which actually he's doing pretty well um, yeah. in Miami. But, you know, he's not a guy who helped in the regular season anyway. So this team is essentially the same. Giannis playing at the same level and it only feels like their roster has improved. So. The, it makes the Grayson sense. Allen thing is is such an underrated move. Nobody talked about it, and they signed him to that sneaky extension. I think two for twenty. So it's like he's playing freely. He's got his money in his kind of next few years locked up. He's not trying to play for because in this normal situation, when you're a first round pick, you're already on your third team, right? Because remember, he started his career in Utah. He's on yep. his third team. That anxiety can really ruin your season, right? Like you're, you're it's almost like the Kelly Oubre. You're trying to play for too much. This is what he did in Golden State last year because he was in a contract year. I know it wasn't his rookie rookie deal, but he's in a contract year. He was trying to play a version of himself that wasn't who he really was, and it messed it all up for him. And I think with Allen, he has that security. And and I think when DiVincenzo comes back, like they got a lot of two-way guards to be able to throw at guys, especially if Drew and Chris Middleton are going to be, you know, finals plus Olympics. They're not going to be fresh right off the bat. And they can go super small. Right now, like defensively, they won't suffer if they can go with like DiVincenzo, Holiday. You play Middleton at the four. I don't know. I think I just think they have more lineup flexibility now because guys like Bryn Forbes and um, who's the other guard they're starting in the like. They had um, the Jeff Teague playoffs. play some meaningful moments. Teague, like these guys were like also turnstiles on defense and weren't yep. contributing much on offense towards the later stretch of the playoffs. So. Yeah, Th- this team looks deep. I, I yeah, I know it's not that controversial, but it's just so apparent that it looks like they're going to repeat now. So well, they are twenty second in defense again, small sample size. So if you had to nitpick, it would be that. But again, they're missing Lopez, and the strength of their defense is really the rim protection between him and Giannis. And so when you don't have one of those guys, so that's actually a good point. If you had to point to a weakness, to me, it's the front court depth, right? Like if Lopez yeah. and or Gian- well, if Giannis goes down, the whole thing's fucked anyway. But if <laughs> Lopez goes down as he's been hurt. There's not a ton of size behind him that you feel really comfortable playing. Like Bobby Portis can play spot duty at the five. He can also play the four, but it's not like he could start, I think, every night for you at the center. That is the one question mark and something that's fairly easy to add in the buyout market or otherwise if they feel like they need it. But, you know, that's yeah. that's what I'm looking at right now. I mean, you look at Minnesota last night when they beat them. Um, they were able to kind of assert some of that dominance down low. Yep. All right. Your turn. All right. You know what's coming. The Washington Wizards oh, will win at least one playoff series this season. Now, what did I tell you all summer long? The coup that did you Tommy Shepard has pulled off, flipping John Wall's corpse into Russell Westbrook into this amount of depth. He got five players back that started with Russell Westbrook. We don't play any G-leaguers anymore. Last year, we were starting Raul Neto in the playoffs guarding Ben Simmons. We don't do stupid shit like that. The coaching upgrade from Scott Brooks to Wes Unseld, running an actual functional offense, and 
communicating defensively. We're more athletic. We're deeper. We're younger. We're smarter. We have veteran champ. We have champions on our team. We got veterans on our team. Beal is still a chucker who would rather shoot 30 times than win the game. But when those shots go in, we're four and one without him playing well. He's had one good game out of the five that we've played. He's played in four of them. Dinwiddie has been an amazing addition. Is actually the closer on this team. And you look at Washington, they don't play any bad players. And it cannot be understated how important that is to not play bad players. And I just love what I see night to night. We killed Atlanta tonight, just coming off killing Boston yesterday. You know both of those teams were consensus far above the Wizards. I think this team is going to win a playoff series, and they're going to be a very tough out, the proverbial very tough out team this year in the East. I'm going to sell, sell, (laughs) sell on the Washington Wizards. Look, they've had a great start to the season. I'm not going to deny that. They are a team that, do you think they're going to finish with home court advantage in the playoffs? They're going to be five or six. Okay, so that means that they need to, like, are they going to beat any of these teams in round one? Are they going to beat the Bucks? No, they, they got to get, they gotta get out of one or two. They got to get out of seven or eight. They got to get what? They have to like avoid seven or eight because they're not going to beat Brooklyn and they're not going to beat Milwaukee. They're not going to beat Brooklyn. They're not going to beat Milwaukee. I still don't think they'd beat Philly, even though Philly has not looked amazing yet. So those are three teams right off the bat. There's actually uh, a lot of good teams. Yeah. And then the Knicks and then the Hawks, like, yes, they beat the Hawks yesterday. I would still pick the Hawks in the series. Look, the Wizards, the depth, I, I agree with you. And that's Can under- I revise? The Wizards will make the playoffs. <laughs> The Wizards will be a team in the NBA by season's <laughs> end. Um, look, the depth is big. Montrez Harrell's giving you guys crazy awesome. good minutes. Um, you're getting contributions from everywhere, and that's good regular season formula. Like that can't be understated enough. Beal, and despite Beal kind of taking a step back this season, his free throw rate is like cut in half. Um, I don't know. I haven't been watching the Wizards he's just that been much. Miss- he's just been missing missing shots. What I'd say about Beal is I think he'll get back on track. He's still not bought into the team concept. Like yesterday against Boston, he took 18 shots in the first half, which is just absurd. And him and his boy Tatum need to stop training together because they <laughs> do the same thing. Um, I think once the shots go in, though, he'll still be that kind of flawed player, but averaging 25 to 30. But yes, continue. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's all promising, right? For for what bodes well for the rest of the season. And has Rui even come back yet? He is not, and that's another big thing. He was supposed to be the starter for had some type of mental health issues coming off the Olympics. I I don't even know what is going on there. They basically said nothing, but rumors have it that he's lost a ton of weight, and so it could be some serious shit. Apparently, yeah. he went through like a breakdown post Olympics because of the pressure of the host country and all this stuff. He's a yeah. flag bearer, et cetera. So he didn't even show up till like two days before we kicked things off. Uh, so I don't know when he's going to play. It could be weeks. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and that's just one. If he, do, if he does come back, that's just, you know, adding a cherry on top. So I like I like the Wizards this year. I think they're going to hit the under. But come on, winning a first-round game, hard sell. There's no chance that they beat any of the top teams in the East. Well, yeah, to your point, that 33-and-a-half that I think you went strong under on is looking – we're almost halfway home there. We got 29 more to go. Until they trade Beal midseason. That would be an interesting <laughs> wrinkle. 
But we were thinking, we were, you know, me and my Wizards buddies were throwing out ideas because all of us semi hate Beal in a way because his antics and his quotes and his just dumbass kind of like thing that he does. At the same time, he's obviously a phenomenal player, but he carries himself like he is this like tier one superstar. Like after we lost to Brooklyn, they were like, oh, that was the ass kicking we needed. It's like, dude, it's game three. Like, why did we need the (laughs) ass kicking? Like we lost, but like, what were we like? resting on our laurels from being one and oh or whatever the fuck we were at the time so like he says stuff like that that's really irritating but i would be curious if they would even consider it because he's owed that super max like i don't know that i want to make him a 50 million dollar a year player but all right what's your second statement evan mobley Mm. in a crowded rookie field with jalen green jalen suggs Cade cunningham Evan Mobley is going to win Rookie of the Year. Now, uh, it's it's harder for big men to win Rookie of the Year in recent years because they're not putting up the volume scoring stats. You know, you look at Mobley's stat line right now, he's shooting, uh, he's 14 points a game, nine rebounds, two assists, uh, but shooting very well from the field, 50%. Um, he's taking a couple threes here and there, has not been hitting them. But what is impressive about him more than the offense is the is defensive kind of versatility and all that tantalizing potential people talked about in in the offseason um and his ability is as a big to be switchable step out on the perimeter recover contest shots with his length it's all being displayed um and it's resulting in wins for cleveland cleveland's actually doing pretty well and i think his offensive game is only going to get better they're going to play more with him out of the high post um they're starting to do it a little bit now, but he's still getting a lot of his buckets from just cleaning up and, and kind of basic rim running. But once he really starts to showcase his offensive game, I think he can end up averaging 17, 18 points a game on this Cleveland team that's, you know, solid. And I think that is going to be enough, given that they'll be better than people thought. He's going to have the great stats and he's going to be a defensive force. That'll be enough to win him rookie of the year. So, this won't count as one of mine, but I had on my list, Cleveland has a top three young core in the NBA. So I'm half buying that because I love Mobley. I think what they're doing from this like throwback lineup they're playing where Laurie yeah. Markinen is a small forward and they're doing all sorts of crazy shit with this very small backcourt. It's like they're basically taking three horrible defenders and Markinen, Sexton, and Garland and then giving them these like crazy twin towers with Mobley and Allen. And even Paul George talked about it when they scored 79 points uh, last night against the Cavs. They were like, we couldn't get in the rhythm. They just got bodies and size flying everywhere. I'm selling the rookie of the year, though. I think, to your point, he's not going to get enough counting stats with all the mouths they have to feed and the fact that he's a big man. I picked Jalen Suggs preseason. I'm already flip-flopping. This was a no-brainer, and I totally forgot about him. Chris Duarte is going to win rookie of the year. Okay. He's like 28 years old. He makes Buddy Heald look like a young prospect at this point in terms of how old he is when he came into the NBA. But he's ready-made. He is basically like their third best player already. He's averaging 19 a game, 19 and 5, shooting 42% from three on seven, over seven attempts a game. And this guy's five games into his career. He's going to win this award going away because not only will he have, you know, he'll be up there with points per game, Indiana is probably going to be one of the better teams of anyone that has like this, you know, r- young rookie prospect. So give me Chris Duarte, but I'm buying Mobley's future in this league. I think it's limitless. Duarte has been 
lights out. Um, and we knew it, right? Everyone kept talking about him being the most NBA ready, but uh, I did not expect him to be this good. I mean, him, Donovan Mitchell was also NBA ready. He's not putting up the counting stats, but he's also shown that like these guys, right when you put them on the Davion. floor. Oh, sorry. Who did I say? Donovan. Donovan. Davion. Davion Mitchell. I was like, yeah, I hope Freudian Donovan slip. Mitchell's NBA he ready is like in year five. <laughs> Yeah, okay. right, 40 and slip. Yeah, Chris Duarte, <laughs> I think, is the guy. But love Mobley, and I love what the Cavs are doing. Another lock over for me that I'm feeling really, really comfortable about. You and your over-unders. Let's just remember, I, I said this last year. I'm going to say it again. Only at the 20-game mark do the results start to stabilize. So don't get too excited about any of these results right now. We should do an analysis on like the last you know five, six years, the craziest like first five, six-game sample size that turned out totally completely wrong like we were talking offline about the the magic that one year where aaron gordon was hitting like four threes a game and they were like eight and one and then they ended up with like 22 wins like total (laughs) exactly someone someone posted on twitter it's pretty funny it's like um like one through 11 in the east and they just took the screenshot of the standings and posted it upside down and that looked more normal with like Knicks and Wizards and Cavs at the bottom. Yeah. And then the Nets were at like the top with the it's like Nets, Sixers, and Sixers all those Hawks. guys. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. This one will be interesting. Lamella Ball is gonna make the all-star team this year. Go ahead. Look no, up his numbers. You, you're, you're gonna you gotta defend yours. You got Oh, yours. that's right. I just think the leap he has taken is one that I didn't expect, um, especially his shooting. I thought his shooting was a little trick-or-treat last year. He is on his way to filling up the box score. He's 26-6 and six a game. The Hornets look really dangerous. They're very, very deep. They still don't even have James Booknight. Gordon Hayward, if he plays, is such a stabilizing force. And the reason I took the under, if you remember, is because I just didn't think their availability would be there. So that could totally derail all of this, right, when Hayward goes out for like two months with like an ankle sprain. But Miles Bridges has made a serious leap. He won player of the week, his first week of the NBA, which is amazing for a guy of his caliber. But it all runs with LaMelo, and I think LaMelo is going to be a big-time player in this league. I think if he can get to that stay with those numbers that he's at and the team still continues to play well. He, he might, shit, he might almost be voted in. That's how much of a fan favorite he's becoming around the league with all the highlights. And I, I was wrong about a Charlotte. I think they're really exciting and he's going to, he's leading the charge. I'm, I'm going to buy that. I think LaMelo will be a, an all-star. Now the biggest question for sure is going to be, is this shooting sustainable? You know, he was a 35% three point shooter last year. He's up to four or yeah, 35 and he's up to 46 right now yeah, on seven that attempts. Won't last. He's yeah, up to, yeah, it won't last, but if it regresses down to 38, 39, you know, at the least, that's very promising. And I, he's just one of those guys. If Charlotte even finishes in the, if they make the playoffs at the top eight, um, just by the fact that he's a household name, he's going to get that recognition. Uh, he's going to get voted in. And you, you have to look at last year. I'm looking at last year's All-Stars right now for Eastern Conference. Kyrie Irving, he's not making gone, it. Gone. Ben Simmons, he's not making it. So two spots freed up. Now, of course, there's a lot of young talent, a lot of great players in the East now. Um, it's getting better. Like Harden wasn't there last year. Shit, Harden might not be making it either. So, And then, yeah, maybe, you know, who knows, right? The rate he's going. So, And Bradley Beal, you know, the way he's playing may not make it. 
But but um, I imagine Trey Young will be. <laughs> Trey Young will be there. Uh, but I think my my point is I can easily yeah. see him taking. One this of is the spots. earliest any people have ever put together their All Star rosters. <laughs> Evan Mobley, Chris Duarte. <laughs> The, the, the one and David weird, Nora. From the, <laughs> the one weird thing is Lamelo is only playing 28 minutes a game, which is actually a tick less than he played last year. I'm not sure exactly why that is. I know they've been maybe in some blowouts, things like that, but they just have a deep team. Um, so that's that's part of it. Terry Rozier hasn't even really played, I don't think, this year. So even when him and Bookmate come back, it's going to get even deeper. Um, but you know, the two things that are red flags for me with this prediction is only 28 minutes a game, only 1.4 free throws per game. So yep. that's the big question marks I have with LaMelo. But, you know, the shooting is not sustainable, but I definitely think it's improved markedly from where we thought it was pre-draft and then where he had it in his rookie year. Yeah, and, and, and the free throws, it's it's worrisome because if the shooting starts to fall off, you want to see him getting to the rim, and he's not doing that. But um, I like it. All right, my turn. Yep. The Los Angeles Lakers will find themselves yet in another play-in tournament this year. Wow. Okay. Now, play-in tournament means they have to be 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th. I definitely think they'll be 7th. Now, here's here's the case why. The Westbrook experience, a couple signs of worry for the Lakers, right? We all know Westbrook has been not the ideal fit. Their roster looks a little jumbled. They had that horrific loss to the Thunder where they were up 26, 20. That was atrocious. Uh, Without LeBron, granted, but still gave up a huge lead to the worst team in the league. But here's the real reason they're not going to do well. Their defensive rating this year is the sixth worst in the league. Um, Worse than my Sacramento Kings. And this is a team that was number one in 2020, 2021. And the year before, they were also, I, I believe, up in near the top, like number three. And so this is a team that makes their bones on defense. Now that they, they don't have, I don't think, the personnel to be as good defensively um, because guys like Caruso, guys like KCP, who were actually solid defenders and gave them good minutes at the wing, you're now playing Carmelo a lot. You're playing Malik Monk. You're playing guys who are not giving them those same defensive minutes and LeBron, I hate to admit it, he looks a bit slow. And he's not as explosive. We've seen him, some of the drives to the rim, he can't beat his defender as easily anymore. And by no means am I saying he's falling off. He's always going to be, you know, top three guy. But that is going to hinder them significantly uh, down the stretch. Um, or even the course of the season where they're already starting to manage his minutes, like with his like ankle injury. He sat out a couple games already. Like LeBron doesn't do this this early in the season. This is when he's supposed to be at his best and his freshest. So, I, I to me, it looks like there are a lot of good teams in the West. Um, I know there are teams that are kind of stumbling right now, but I think the Lakers could very well find themselves in seven or eight. So, I was going to respond by asking you a question as the LeBron expert on this pod is, what do you make of his health issues already surfacing? And you kind of answered that. The number one thing you need to point to when you're talking about what he looks like in year 19, 9.73 is attempted per game. Um, by far a career high. I mean, shooting at 48% across these three games. So it's fine for now, but those are not going to go in all season. 
and he's become a better shooter. So, and he's had seasons even in Miami where he shot north of forty percent, but that was on three, Very four attempts a game. Yeah. yeah, even if he settles in around six or seven attempts, if he can get to thirty eight, thirty nine percent, which I think is possible. Obviously, that's an added dimension, but they're so they're just so bad outside of him and Davis. Um, like Russell Westbrook, as much as I enjoyed sort of the Russell Westbrook experience last year this was one of the easiest things in the world to predict that this would happen. I, I think, I guess we were both excited about the regular season Lakers because of the floor raising that he does. And I think that's still possible, still likely, but we knew there was going to be a problem in the playoffs. It may be a problem already. Um, yeah. He has nowhere to go on the court. I mean, the two games he's played better, I guess you could say better, despite the fact he just had a quadruple double with turnovers the other night is that, LeBron didn't play. So when they played together, it was a mess. Um, They'll figure it out. But like, this is year 14 for Russ. Like he is who he is. Like he's not going to suddenly figure it out just because it's LeBron playing with him. The comparison a lot of people have been using was a 2018 Cavs, which I think is unfair because Anthony Davis is by far better than any player the Cavs had like sans LeBron. But the Russ comparison to what Wade looked like at that point of his career and some of that I think has merit. So I'm really curious to see how this team will retool. It's still kind of bewildering that they didn't just go get Buddy healed um, <laughs> and keep KCP. Um, so it was what Kuzma and Harrell for healed was the deal. Yeah. Right. And so you keep KCP, you keep, you probably are able to figure out a way to bring Caruso back. Right. Cause you don't have another max contract from Russ on the books. Like I, I don't get it. So to your point, I'm going to sell that actually only because the West is starting to crumble in some ways. Like I think Portland looks terrible. Um, Dallas has looked kind of uneven, you know, tonight they won tonight, but they're playing the Spurs (laughs) Phoenix and and Luca has not been superhuman thus far. Like he's put up okay numbers, like, you know, solid star numbers sort of, but he has not been this like supernova that we thought. Denver is dealing with injuries and now Jokic is hurt and who knows what's going on there. The Clippers are a mess, right? Uh, Like other than Utah and Golden State and kind of Memphis, who's been the real standout teams in the West to be like, yeah, these are definitely going to be the top six and it won't include LA Lakers. So I'm going to sell. Sacramento. Sacramento's look good. Sacramento's look good. (laughs) Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes might be the all-star, not LaMelo Ball. Yeah. Um, Sacramento's look better than I thought they would look. Add Harrison Barnes to our early all-star. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So one thing I will say about the Lakers, um, LeBron, the three-point shooting, a lot of that is because of Russ. It's because he, you know, they're still trying to figure out how to play together and LeBron's sitting on the perimeter a lot more. And, And Russ, the biggest problem with him, man, is he just won't change. Like he... The first couple of games, once again, no ball screens, just standing on the perimeter. No, not really cutting that much either. And then I think there was one game, that, the game they beat the Grizzlies, he all of a sudden set like seven ball screens um, was the number. And so it, it's like he he chooses when he knows that he should be doing that, and then he'll do it once in a while, but then revert back to his old tendencies. And that's a frustrating part for a player as talented, as accomplished as he is. You'd think he'd figure out like, what are the little things you need to do to fit in better? But he just doesn't do it. So, if I gotta hear about Russell Westbrook's ball screens anymore, time, yeah, what is the? Everybody's been talking about it. What's the? What's the point of it? Is it that to try to free up LeBron to get on Russ's defender? 
No, no. The point is, if okay, look, if you're not, if you don't have the ball in your hands, what are you, what are the things you can do? You can you cut. Can, you can, you can stand cut and shoot, or you can, you can stand screen. waiting to catch and shoot, yeah. or you can go set screens. And so the the point is, he doesn't cut. He doesn't. He can't catch and shoot. So at the very least, go set some screens to you know generate mismatches. Just get the offense flowing, and he doesn't do that. So that that's the fascination because every good player to some extent will set some screens and his like over his career he's always been known for just literally having zero screens in multiple games so yeah. it's overblown it's like one thing that gets parroted a lot but it's yeah. true when you watch I, I mean i get it because he is a ultimate ball watcher when he's not yeah in control it's like him it's a proxy harden, for and him harden and wall are like the three like all-star ball watchers like all they do is stand there with their hands on their hips if the ball's not in their hands and that's why they can't that's why it's tough for them to play with other stars. Now, Harden is in his own class as a player from those two, so I'm not lo- looping them in from that standpoint. But, um, it, yeah, it's a problem. That's why Steph's greatness is so underrated because he's the ultimate off-ball player as well as being an ultimate on-bottom player. Yep. Which leads me to my next point. Speaking of the West and who will jockey wear, this is regular season standings only. The Minnesota Timberwolves will finish in the top eight. They have a three-headed monster, which we talked about how good that offense was when they all played last year. I think they had a rating north of 130 points per 100 possessions. Anthony Edwards feels like he's taking a little bit of a mini leap um, with the way he's playing, how aggressive he's been, how much he can get to the rim. He's got a full arsenal of moves already. Towns has been awesome. Towns has reverted back to the guy I knew he would be, and, and I'm really glad about that because, like I said, he was the number one player people were picking to start a franchise with just two, three years ago. And so his fall off did not feel real. And you're seeing these numbers. I mean, he's shooting 56, 52, 95 from the field. It's just unbelievable. And we know that's not going to last, but he's always been right at the cusp of 50, 40, 90 anyway. So it's not that far off from where his steady state is. I think D'Angelo Russell's done a nicer job kind of taking a back seat. It almost like you need Edwards to sort of take a backseat a little bit too to let Towns be the main guy. But I love this team, this, this three-headed monster. Patrick Beverly, for all his faults, is adding some much-needed toughness. The one guy I'd like to see a little bit more for him is Malik Beasley, who I think is really talented, just averaging six points a game right now. Um, but there are a lot of mouths to feed on this team. And aside from a slip-up versus New Orleans, which I thought was a pretty bad loss, they've looked great, including beating Brooklyn the other night. So... Oh, sorry, uh, um, beating Milwaukee the other night. So really like what I've seen from Minnesota, and I expect it to be a continuation of last year and under Chris Finch, and they're rolling. Ooh. I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. I was tempted to uh, put them higher than, or like put them in the top eight. I think they make the playing game as nine or ten. Now here's here's why I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. So they had that bad loss to the Pelicans. Fine, that happens. They're very top heavy right now. They're relying a lot on Towns, Edwards, and and Russell for their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, like it's only four games in, they're the third best defensive team in the league. They yeah. do not have the personnel to be that good defensively. I don't think that's going to hold. This team is going to. Still struggle on defense, and right now, they've maybe it's because some of the opponents they played. Um, I mean, I know the Milwaukee win was a big one, but I just think that 
they're relying on those. They're going to be they're too top heavy of a team. And if any one of those guys goes down, I don't know where the production is going to come from the rest of the roster. They've just got a lot of guys, um, you know. And so, and like you said, Malik Beasley was one of their big acquisitions this uh, was this offseason or in the middle of the last season? year. It was last, last year. year. Um, and there's a lot of hope for him going into this season that he hasn't done much. And so I, I just looking at this team, it seems a little bit fools goldy. And I think they'll be a nine or ten, but like. I still see a team like Sacramento being better than I can't wait to see some of these teams play each other, right? Like Sacramento, uh, New Orleans wants to get Zion back. Um, Portland, who kind of has slipped into this like yeah. play-in tournament type level because Cat has every bit of a chance, to every much of a chance as anyone to be the best player on the floor in those games. And if he can do that and Edwards can bring like that second star mold that he's developing – Health is a big factor. They are very top heavy, and in a way, you don't really want to be because it's not like those dudes have tons of track record of being yeah. on the court. In fact, it's the exact opposite, right? So maybe this, you know, maybe Beasley picks it up. He turns into a better because their offense is actually not that great right now. Um, when those guys play, it's still good, but overall, they're like a middling offense, and it's been on the backs of their defense, which, like you said, is not how you would expect this team to play out. I'm more encouraged because I think that it shows that they have a commitment on that end that we haven't seen before. Even in these type of short bursts, we haven't really seen it. So that must be a good sign, or I think it's a good sign for for what's to come. Yeah, I mean, they can't deny it. They have looked good. So um, we'll see if they can sustain it. All right, my turn. Ooh, yep. I'm running out of ones already. You got two more, I think. Yeah. You mentioned okay, so I'm gonna go with. Give me a Kings one, man. You're so tepid about the Kings; it's bringing me down. Cause they don't look that great. I mean, That's they the beat problem. Portland the other night, and they I mean they beat Phoenix, they beat Portland, and they lost a close game to the Jazz, and they lost to the Warriors. They played like four. That's yeah, good like, teams. Those Portland, are four, I playoff, those but... are four playoff teams, including the NBA finalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna jump on board the Kings yet. Fox has not looked good. Okay, here's one. Here's one that yeah. you. Yeah. Neither is Tyrese, but the Chicago Bulls. Yes. Okay. Will be a top four seed in the East. Now, here's here's the the rationale. They played a very light schedule. They actually just lost today. Their first loss to New York, close yep. game, uh, at home. Here's this guy, uh, the, the reasoning. This team defensively has shown significant improvement. And what was the biggest question coming into the season? We know they've got the offensive pieces, but who's going to play defense? I think Caruso and Lonzo have been just as good or better than what people expected. Um, Patrick Williams obviously has been good. And then the rest of that team, DeRozan, I think on offense has been a really steady player for them. Like his shooting percentages are never going to be amazing, but steady offense when they need it. Um, and they don't have to rely so much on Zach Levine. So I, I think just defensively, offensively they're doing enough and defensively they've shown a market improvement from last year. And if they can, if they can keep that throughout the season, there's no reason why they can't finish in the same realm of an Atlanta or New York or Boston, like those are the teams we have slotted in that four to five range. I think they're just as good as all of them. So I'm putting them at four. United Center is going to host, you know, have a home court advantage round one. It's going to be rocking. The Bulls are going to be 
a four seed. I love the Bulls. I love what they did this offseason. I'm really high on them. We were both on the over. I can't I can't back this. Because you kind of made the point when I was talking about the Wizards, right? Like, there's too many teams. Like, okay, we got the top four, right? Would you say that Milwaukee, unless something really bad happens to Giannis, knock on wood, they're going to be a top four seed? Yep. Now, as much as Brooklyn has looked really shaky... They'll be there, top four. Okay, so we got two already spoken for. The thing is, Miami looks better than I thought they would. Yeah, they do. They look good. And they're just bludgeoning people. And Jimmy Butler looks more like bubble Jimmy Butler than he does last year. And maybe you could argue, look, last year just took its toll on everyone. We saw all the finalists in the bubble and conference finalists kind of flamed out, right? So if we throw away last year's season and we say, hey, Jimmy's actually ascended back to this version, I want to say Miami's going to be there too. So if it's really down to one spot – if you're going to tell me Chicago, year-end, if you say, hey, Chicago beat out the Knicks, the Celtics, the, uh, the Hawks, the Sixers, I'm not going to say that I'm completely shaken, shook by that, you know? Yeah. But odds would tell me that they're going to be back in that 5, 6, 7, 8 range, um, even like 6, 7, 8 range, which I think would be a win, especially if they can get into 5 or 6 instead of the play-in. I just can't give – I can't sign up for 4 yet as much as I've enjoyed watching them. And like you said, defensively, they haven't had a hard schedule. They played Detroit twice, New Orleans, Toronto, and then tonight was their first game against like a good team. But even tonight, they played well defensively, mm-hmm. um, held them to 104 points. I don't have like the defensive rating on tonight. But the the, the big question for me with them is – and they've had a couple close games is – how do they sort out that late game shot making? Because yeah. against Toronto is DeRozan knocking down buckets tonight. DeRozan took a really bad yeah. shot to win it for him when that probably should have been Zach Levine's ball. So if that's going to be a back and forth thing, fine. If it's always going to be DeRozan, I'm going to be less comfortable about this team in close games. They'll sort it out. I mean, look, these are bold statements for a reason, right? I, 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 but I think that the heat, for example, as good as they've looked, this is a team. Every year we've seen this with they have an older roster and they're completely okay with, you know, kind of toughing it out during the regular season. I mean, last year they finished sixth. The year before that, they finished fifth. The year before that, tenth. The year before that, sixth. Granted, this is the most talented roster they have, but the consistent theme with the Heat, whenever they've been good, is always they fiddle and finish in the middle of the pack. So I'm not 100% convinced, even though they look good right now, with that old of a roster, they're going to be a regular season juggernaut. So yeah, because of that and because I really like New York, Atlanta, I would say maybe are still a tier above Chicago, but they're not so different that I can't see a path where Chicago gets it done. So yeah. And you know, the by the way, that Chicago is gunning for it. Like they're going to yeah. play every night very, very hard. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the other big piece of it, right? I don't know how you quantify that, but I know that this, they're all in on the season more than any other team. I will say I was watching tonight and there's some dudes playing who I have absolutely no idea who they are. And that's not a great sign. Number 12, Ayo Dosunamo. He was locking some minutes. Um, Like you get past their first like seven guys and it's, I mean, you know, Kobe White is still out. So that'll help a little bit. But Javante Green is playing 16 minutes a night. Like it's just Elise Johnson. Like, I don't know. Like, does anybody like... Does do their families know they're on the Bulls or like what is going on with those players? Um, all right. 
Next up, you mentioned a team you felt the Bulls were ahead of in that pecking order in the middle of the East. I'm all the way with you on that. The Boston Celtics are going to miss the playoffs this year. I think you look at this Boston team, they have so much top-end talent between Tatum and Brown. Those guys are bonafide stars, I think. But the problem is they're the same kind of star. They're the same kind of player. I don't mean that in terms of their games. I mean that in terms of their impact to the game. They're both can get 25-30 on any given night. They can make threes. They can sometimes get to the basket when they're feeling like it. They're better ball handlers on the pick and roll than they used to be early in their careers. They're not phenomenal, but they're better. They don't do anything else, Um, specifically playmaking. Now, you're counting on Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder to do that for you. That's going to end recipe for disaster 10 times out of 10. It's just not going to work. That's not those guys' DNA, especially Schroeder. Right, maybe smart. You can argue is a little bit more, um, but at the same time, it's he's not exactly wired for that either. And if you look at it, Schroeder's actually the guy averaging over six assists a game. Smart is just under five, and I just don't like how this team fits. I think they're counting too much on Al Horford. You know, Robert Williams is going to be inconsistent. He's talented, but he's not always there. And then dudes who flashed last year, like Peyton Pritchard or Aaron Neesmith, like. These aren't dudes who can consistently play in an NBA rotation. They had good games, and because they fucking play for Boston and Bill Simmons gets to talk about them three times a week, (laughs) we feel like they're way better than they are. And I don't like this team. I think the drop-off from Brad Stevens to anybody is is big, and Udoka is a year-one coach. I haven't seen him from him yet. You saw some really head-scratching decisions in multiple close games this year already. They eked one out versus um, versus the Hornets, but lost to the Wizards, lost to the Knicks, and have struggled in their other games. I'm not sure I'm f- feeling the Celtics team this year. I could see them out of the playoffs. Now, I reserve the right to that include they finish 7 or 8, but get knocked out in the play-in. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, I see them finishing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it. I'm going to sell it. Because I think they're going to finish 7 or 8. I don't see them losing in the play-in game. Why? Because they have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And when you've got stars like that and you're in a single game elimination, I'm going to take the stars. This is the old adage we always say about game seven. I think they can survive that play game. Everything you said about Boston rings true. They are, this roster is a weird fit. They clearly, they need to completely blow it up and retool. Like with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are awesome, but it, it this, this, Pass the ball back and forth, ISO offense, taking turns has not worked, and they don't have the pieces around them to have something more coherent anyway. So I I think that this team is treading mud right now, and I see them finishing seventh or eighth, but I just can't see them losing the play-in game. Like, who who are they going to play? Like, if you look at the East standings, there are a lot of good teams in the East, but I I see the Wizards kind of slipping. I see Charlotte slipping. and then, you know, well, it Cleveland, could be, Cleveland's it, not going to be there. It could be the Brooklyn, sorry, the Chicago, New York teams, right? One of those could be seven, you know, one of them could be eight. Boston could be right there. Last year, they finished seven. I thought their team last year fit better than this one. Last year, the COVID kind of hit them pretty hard, right? I thought it they did. dealt with more it adversity. Did. With Fournier, but they also had a better team, I think. They had Kemba, they had Fournier, um, you know, Kemba was not 
playing at peak levels, but it's like Josh Richardson, what's he like, what is he adding to this team? And they extended him for no reason. Like they gave Marcus smart 17 yeah. million a year. They're, like they're I don't, this is like Ben. this is like Brad Stevens moving to the front office and just hooking up all his boys. I don't <laughs> get it. Like the shooter move, right? One year, 6 million. That is a good move in a vacuum. No question about it. It's great value for his quality of play at that type of, you know, taxpayer mid level, but that doesn't mean he's a good fit on this roster. And they're relying on him too much, I think, which you're, Schroeder's not a guy you should be running. I mean, they're not running actions through him, but he's using up a lot of possessions, um, yeah. which is not ideal. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, okay, I, I still think that they win in the play game. So that's my difference there, but agreed with the concerns around Boston. This is not, a t- you know, think about the fall from grace they've had for what started as a Eastern Conference finals team against LeBron and what Tatum and Brown's like early in their career, so much promise. And they've only somehow gotten worse each year, which. Uh, yeah. And I don't actually even blame, dude, they were in the bubble conference finals. So as recently as two years ago, they oh, yeah. were there. Yeah. And I don't even blame. Okay. I don't necessarily blame the, the path that brought them here. I think they were arrogant in their assets. And we joke about Dan- Danny Ainge all the time for good reason. But at the end of the day, they had a lineup of Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford. Al Horford. Like that yeah. was their team. That was their starting lineup. Like that should compete for a title. Absolutely. If those guys are who we think they are. Like to quote the late great Danny Danny Green. Like it just didn't work for a variety of reasons. Kyrie went off the reservation, Hayward's ankle got smashed, and and then, you know, you move on. And that's just the it wasn't a big what if because they never really had success or none of those guys became like like the OKC, like three MVPs on one team. It never became that ceiling yeah. where you have all these like, oh, my God, like, woe begone Celtics fans. But I'm sure there's a lot of them out there looking at that 2017 team being like, how the hell did we get to this point? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's a good one. That's a good one. Is it my turn now? Yeah, it is. Right. OK. All right. I'm going to do it. I've, I've, I've kind of, you know, waffled, but I decided I'm going to stand by this. The Sacramento Kings will break a 15-year postseason drought. And when I say break, not play in game, they will be in the top eight seed. They will host, or not host, they will, <laughs> but they will, they will host, host a couple of stu- games. They will, they will host a summer camp <laughs> this summer for all prospective young fans. Um, and this is the year it'll happen. Now, here's here's the argument. The Kings have had a brutal start to the season. They've played the like I mentioned already: Blazers, Suns, Warriors, and Jazz. They've played the Warriors and Jazz tough. They beat the Blazers and Suns. Defensively, they are showing a lot of improvement. They are switching better. They're hedging pick and rolls. They are doing a lot of things they didn't do last year. And Davion Mitchell has been a as advertised on defense. He's plug and play. He's going in there. He's disrupting Donovan Mitchell. He disrupted Dame Lillard, although anyone can disrupt Dame Lillard the way the season's going. Um, Maybe the Olympics should have told us something. Yeah. And so he's made a sizable impact. And and the funniest part about all this is, yes, they're coasting on some lights-out shooting by Harrison Barnes, which is not sustainable. But Fox has been a shell of himself at the start of the season. Um you know, there's a lot talked about him putting on 10 pounds of like muscle. He looks just gigantic. Um, but for some reason, it's he's not. I mean, 
fouls, fouls are down across the league. He's not getting the calls in the paint. His shot has looked broken. He's looked just lethargic on defense. I think he gets it together, and this team's only going to get better as David Mitchell adjusts. They've got Buddy Heal. They've got Harrison Marks. They've got pros on this team. Rashawn Holmes was a great signing in the offseason. And because, like you said, the West is crumbling a little bit, there's an opportunity to sneak into the playoffs. So I'm going to sell this one. And the reason is what they're doing right now, you know, you talk about flashing defensively. They're still 26th, right? And maybe some of that is just like the strength of schedule has been brutal for them this, uh, thus far. Like they've had, a, they've had a hard schedule. But I don't know that I like – Unless there's trades to come, I just don't like this fit with all these guards who need to play. Like, I don't like Tyrese Halliburton logging small forward minutes or Buddy Hill playing a lot at the three and Harrison Barnes at the four. Like, I think eventually those types of small lineups without great defenders across the board will get shredded. The only time you can really play small effectively is if you have good defenders who can switch one through four, like the Warriors, like the death lineup Warriors did. And Tyrese is a good defender in certain situations. He's not going to be guarding. He just doesn't have the frame. And he's talked about this. He doesn't have the frame no. to guard. Like, and he hasn't blinds. been good defensively this year. Yeah. Davion Mitchell, again, I told you this. Like, he has had nice moments, nice clips that you, that, you know, Rob Perez is posting. But at the same time, like, is he going to be out on the court with the chips on the table? He's or been, is he not? They've been playing him in crunch time. Then you're losing the shooting with Heald, right? And so then where are you getting the shooting unless Harrison Barnes, like, remains turned into, like, freaking Reggie Miller from NBA Jam, like, 92, you know? Like, that's the only thing that I – like, the pieces don't fit where you can get the shooting and defense and the size and the rebounding all at once, which is what you need. I look at a team – actually, Memphis, which we haven't even mentioned, they just beat Golden State in overtime tonight. Another loss for me on spreads. I'm going to yeah. finish with, like – I'm going to owe, like, $800 after this week, but <laughs> – um nonetheless um so you look at a team like memphis that is a team that last year made the playoffs everyone was wondering what kind of step they would have up or back or neutral they look like they're taking a step forward in a meaningful way because ja has led the charge and that's what i need to see from fox before i really commit to this um to to this team i think you know instead of the little mellow thing i should have just said ja will be all nba this year because i think that's all that is going to happen um i think he's playing that well and he's ascending, right? He did this in the playoffs. This isn't like a five-game thing. Um, mm. I don't know. Like, let me go through I want a eight hard teams. soul on that one. Look, I know yeah. he's averaging like 35 a game right now, but all NBA is another, like, that's another level. I know. It is another level. But he might do it just in time for his mini-max uh, rookie extension to be offered for the, for the 30%. Okay, let me go through teams. You tell me if you pick the Kings over them or not. Yeah. Um, I'll just start with the best ones, I guess. Uh, Jazz. No. Suns. No. Mavericks. No. Nuggets. No. So that's four. Mm -hmm. um, Lakers. No. Now, oh, Warriors. No. Okay, so six we feel, so we're talking two spots. Yep. And you're going to take them, I can see who you might, Grizzlies. Yep, they're in. Uh, Kings over Grizzlies. Okay. No, 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 no. Grizzlies oh. are in over the Kings. So we got one spot, spot left. Okay. So every so other team is a no. Timberwolves. No. You would say Kings. Oh, sorry, sorry. Kings yeah. finish above Timberwolves. Yeah. All right. Right. Okay. Uh, Pelicans. That's obvious. I take Kings. Blazers. I'm gonna take Kings. Spurs. I'm gonna take Kings. 
Did I miss anyone? Because the Rockets and Thunder, I'm ignoring, obviously. No, that's it. So they really have to. There's beat a chance. There's a chance. Minnesota and Portland are the two teams. Minnesota that are and Portland, because really I don't think be competitive. Because New Orleans, like Zion, dude, Zion is like just getting out of like the hospital right now. Like the, the, the updates on him have been so yeah, mismanached. Like, they said there were reports that they didn't even know he got the surgery. Yeah. Um, when they told when David Griffin said he'd be ready for the start of the season, apparently it was like news to them that he even got the surgery. Like he walked into some random clinic in the middle of New Orleans and like just got it done himself. Like he he, it may be Christmas before we see him. And what was that tweet that was like, he's progressed to playing one on zero? Like, <laughs> yeah. was he, has he been doing that this whole time? I've been playing one on zero myself. <laughs> I feel close to a return, in fact. Um, yeah, it's and, and it also said he's not, he's only running in straight lines. <laughs> he's not, he's not moving side to side at all. So unless it's to like get the remote from one end of the couch. <laughs> um, yeah, this is going to be ugly. So let me ask you this. And so, okay, back to the point of the Kings really quickly. I think it's reasonable if you have them over Timberwolves and Portland. We got to see what the Blazers are going to do. Like, Dame is too good to play this poorly, but, you know, we'll see. Um, Would you take Ja over Zion? That's been the popular sports talk radio debate. Yes. You would. Uh, I don't know how to – I don't know if I want to bet on Zion's health, right? Like – Yeah. At this point, there's so many red flags. At some point, right, with guys like Brandon Roy, guys like uh, Odin's a completely different level. But it's like when there's enough injuries early on, you know these guys aren't going to last. You just know it. Yeah. And I'm getting to that point with Zion where I think, I mean, it's early in his career. It's not like he's always been injured. But just the way he manages his weight, is this going to be a consistent problem? And you're never going to yeah. realize the full potential. Zion is easily a better player than Ja. Easily. Any day of the week. But I, I just, I don't, I would be more risk averse and I would just go with Ja. Because you know Ja's going to be amazing, stable. And look, he's leading that Grizzlies team with a lot, of, not a lot of talent around him. And they're still winning pretty well. So even though point guards usually aren't the best player on a team, you know, you can still build around him. Yeah, I mean, dude, Zion had like 27 points per game on like 60% shooting. I, in I his think second people forget, year. I mean, not people forget, but like he was all NBA caliber, right? Yeah. I'm so torn. Cause part of me is like kind of at a loss, right? Which is in 2021 for a guy who doesn't have this crazy partying reputation or anything. How do we not have this figured out with your franchise guy to just get him in shape? Is it just strictly like, does he have the kind of body where if he doesn't exercise, he's going to be out of shape and therefore with a broken foot, you can't really do any cardio and, you know, you just gain put on pounds? Like, it's possible, right? Like, I know he's got the Mountain Dew and Dorito commercials, which is maybe not the best look through all of this, but... Sitting on the couch, just his head sinking into his body. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's funny because Zach Levine looks great right next to him in the commercial. Um, But nonetheless... It's possible his body is just such that he'll put on weight if he's not able to stay active. And it's unfortunately that when he gets hurt, he can't stay active. And so that is uh, a compounding problem. But yeah, dude, he had the MCL sprain at Duke. He tore his meniscus early on in uh, before the season started his rookie year. Now he has this Jones fracture. And I might even be forgetting one that he had in sometime in the middle of that. So three injuries in the span of three years. 
for a guy who already is tipping the scales north of 300 pounds. Um, <laughs> ah, that is a yeah, tough question. It's, it's a hard one, right? And look, you can look at it like, oh, it's not because of his work ethic. He's got a good work ethic. He's got a good head on his shoulders, so he'll be fine. But you can also look at look at that as a worrisome sign. Like maybe there's just something with his body that he can't shed the weight because it's not about him not trying, not putting in the work. Maybe that's it. But from all accounts, that's, he that's seems what I feel like, like we don't know. I feel like we don't know that. Like, is he a hard worker? I mean, all accounts say he's a good kid, and you know, he does. It's yeah, not he's like a, he's loafing. He's not party. Like you said, he's not partying. He's not Ben Simmons, where it's clear that. I mean, Ben Simmons does work out, but it's also clear that he has other things that he prioritizes. Well, Ben Simmons works out so he can be in, like, Vogue and GQ, not so he can, like, do well in Game 7 of the, of the finals. And so he can post the Instagram post with, yeah. little, the, with the emoji with the, the air coming out of the nose. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting yeah, in. No, he, just, that with, like, a, ti- a live tiger and, like, his latest Rolls Royce. Yeah. That's, like, his dream. That's, like, his <laughs> dream f- photo to post. Um <laughs> I saw a funny quote that uh, just really said was a sign of the times. It was Doc Rivers said that Ben Simmons was in shoot around this morning and he, quote, did a lot of shooting. <laughs> so that's where we are with Ben Simmons right now. He's thankfully shooting at shoot around. We've now progressed to step two from him refusing to participate in shoot around to actually getting shots up. So, yeah. And Zion's running in a straight out. line. So all these yeah, guys are, all, all these former number one picks. Are, uh, and John Wall is playing one-on-one with Jalen Green and missing like every layup and <laughs> complaining that they're not being called fouls in one-on-one pregame. So, oh, God. and Kyrie Irving is sitting at home and having wow. the January 6th crew freaking protest for him outside Barclays Center. So The number one pick's not a good look for Leno. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And Cade Cunningham is nowhere to be seen. I don't know when. When did his ankle injury? I don't even know if that happened at some point. He just stopped, didn't play. He hasn't played. Yet. I didn't even hear about it happening. They just said, "Oh, he's not going to play at the start of the season because of an ankle injury." And I was like, "I don't." When did this happen? Why is he still not there? It's serious. I don't know. Yeah. All right, my last one, which I think you'll agree with based on your first one, but I thought it was hot takey enough. Neither the Nets nor the Lakers are going to win the title this year. And we've already talked about kind of tangentially both the Nets and the Lakers. Less so about the Nets. What I would say is they miss Kyrie a lot more than I realized and I gave it credit for. Um, They miss Jeff Green a lot more than I thought they would. They have this old, slow team, and that includes James Harden somehow. Uh, who was maybe the MVP if you just looked at his Brooklyn games last year. Um, hamstring injury followed by he just he came out and said he didn't play all summer. He just rehabbed, so he's basically working himself back in shape. Maybe this is all fine by, like, January, and we're not even talking about it as a total blip because Durant looks amazing, right? He doesn't look like he's missed a beat. And I don't know. Like, night to night, it feels like he's their only good player, and that's really weird for a team with three kind of top 15 guys headed into the year. So, Yeah, and Blake Griffin has not – I mean, Blake yeah. Griffin was okay in the regular season last year. Postseason gave you hope that he's – you know, things are clicking. He's found a good role in this team, and now he's regressed once again. It's, it's a – I don't know. I really think it starts and ends with James Harden as as the reason. And and this team is going to ride on how good he can be this year. And he's going to get better. He's going to pick it up. But at the same time, the way this, you know, we didn't talk too much about the officiating, but it's 
it's across the board, right? Of course, the clips that are going to be posted are James Harden not getting the calls, Chris Paul not getting those, you know, the where he stops in front of the defender calls. I love that one. I love, I, I love, love everything that they that's got happened. Rid of that one. Yeah. But I'm surprised. I was always a big defender of Harden, and I always thought of him as a guy who could adapt. And he's a good scorer no matter what. Of course, he gets a lot of his points at the line, but he's a good shooter. He's crafty. He'll figure out a way. I'm surprised he hasn't shown a willingness to adapt. He's still hunting. Five games into the season, he's not been getting these calls, hunting those fouls. And that is the most worrisome thing to me, that if he can't adapt, he's not going to be the same guy he was last year. And if you don't have Kyrie or you can't rely on Kyrie, then what's this team going to do? Like, they can't ride on Durant the whole season and then beat a team like the Bucs when it all matters. So I agree. We talked about the Lakers already, but the Nets, to me, Unless Harden can get back to that MVP level and they get some better contributions from the rest of the roster, I don't see him winning against the Bucs. So what I'd say is Harden can adapt. I mean, it's been five games. He played a certain style for 10 years and hundreds and hundreds of games, right? So he can adapt. I. It's so odd because some of those clips will show him actually getting by the player yeah. and still kind of holding up to try to hook their arm to do that shit. And I'm so glad they didn't call it. It was honestly like... As much as I felt like Harden was underappreciated because his greatness was like tainted by the people the way people viewed his game, it was terrible to watch. Like there's no doubt about it. Oh, like, you 100%. can't tell me you enjoyed watching James Harden foul bait for four quarters, right? And shoot like sixteen step back threes. Like that's not cool. But it it, it should be said, even if you remove free throws. He still led the league in scoring all those years. Like, take those points out. That's how dominant he was when he was averaging 33, 35 points a game. Now, a large part of that is due to the fear of fouling him, right, that created some looks for him and driving lanes. And so that's the piece that's really going to require him to take it. And this is where the athleticism or the the fitness is a big problem because he's not getting by guys at the same type of frequency and ease that he used to. Um, And... Nick Claxton's really the only role guy that he has that's kind of that Capella mold that he was so successful with. Um, like Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus, dude, Lamar- yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, I all credit to him for coming back, but we got to call a wrap he's, on what, he's whatever's going on. He's a corpse. Yeah, it's, not, it's not happening. Um, Joe Harris hasn't been shooting well either. No, Harris has not shot great. Uh, you know, I would say Patty Mills has probably been their second best player, honestly, behind Durant. And I, you know, I don't know when the Kyrie thing is going to resolve itself. You think he's going to get vaccinated. I kind of don't think he's going to get vaccinated. Um, I think that the only way that he plays is if the mandate goes away. And I mean, like how many more games would he have to miss before he decides he's suddenly going to go do it? I just don't see that. He's still getting paid $16 million a year. And even if it's not a, about the money and if especially if it's not about the money there's no reason for him to so what do you what do you think's in Kyrie's mind watching the protests like that are happening outside Barclays like those are clearly the kind of people who probably stand against everything Kyrie normally believes in yeah who's big on social justice big on the racial equality yeah these these like like all lives matter type folks and like if I'm like if I was Kyrie, wouldn't that click in your head like whoa 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 like this is not what I stand for? But he's letting <laughs> it happen like this. That's making me more convinced he may actually not get vaccinated. I thought he would, but when we get when we had the media day and Beal and Kyrie and all these Wiggins were against it, 
all the like dudes came out of the woodwork to be like, yeah, Beal's my favorite player, all this stuff. And it's like, dude, do you want this association? Like, is this the way you want to go down? And like, it was such a bizarre thing because you have a mostly black league who stands quite opposite what a lot of these people on the right have pushed. Um, But regarding vaccines, there's more commonality, specifically that one topic. It's like that one thing. And it was really kind of unique and interesting to see how that those worlds collided in a way. Um, Even like Draymond who got vaccinated the way he supported Wiggins for not getting vaccinated. LeBron. LeBron backed him up and all these guys were like, yeah, LeBron. Like, it's like, oh my God. Like, LeBron is your public enemy number one in these instances yeah. most normally. Like, everyone wake up, see what's happening here. There's that, you know that image that's always on Twitter of everyone in the sunglasses? And then yeah, they Photoshop Kyrie, Draymond, <laughs> yeah. and LeBron into it. <laughs> a Jonathan Isaac, who's now like a Fox News contributor instead of actually playing. Like he doesn't actually play for the Magic. He's like going on with Hannity and with Tucker Carlson. Wait, um, is he actually? I mean, he's been on a few times and he hasn't played for the Magic yet this year. He's still well, I didn't know he from... actually went on those shows. Wow. Yeah. He's recovering from the ACL. Um, I don't know when him or Fultz are coming back for that Magic team. But um, but anyway. Yeah, so so you're you're buying neither Nets nor Lakers will be. I'm buying. T- I'm buying that it's just going to be the Bucks and Bucks and Jazz. If I had to pick a team right now, that's what I wish I picked. In hindsight, I picked Bucks over Lakers, and I wish I picked Bucks over Jazz. Because the thing about the Jazz is they're like they're like a cockroach almost. You can't kill them. <laughs> yeah, like they will flame out in every which way you can think of. They'll start a global pandemic and they'll still be back the next year with the same exact core, not change a thing and still rattle off wins every night. It's fitting, right? We saw Stockton Malone do the same thing uh, yeah, for several is. years. Um, so, By the way, can I just say what's going on in Houston and Oklahoma City is just really reprehensible basketball. Are they playing each other right now? No, but just both both teams, what they're doing. Oh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. atrocious they're going to be all year, and like, I can, I mean, like, I'm more okay with Houston. The OKC thing, it's like the third year running of of just this really, or maybe I don't know, maybe it's just the second year, but it feels like they've been bad for so long already. They they Houston kind of sent John Wall home, right, so they could play the young guys. And I'm not saying Wall would make a difference, but. You're telling me his presence can at least help? Like, it's better for Jalen Green to go 3 of 16 and 0 of 8 from 3 like he did tonight? Or for Kevin Porter Jr. to be averaging 7 turnovers a game? Like, that's a good way for them to learn? Listening, I I actually, I agree with you. I don't like these guys getting the green light like that because I don't think it's benefiting them. No, they're going to develop bad habits. We see this all the time. Jay Sean Tate, 1 of 8 from 3. Like, Jay Sean should not be shooting 8 threes you know, at lifetime fitness, much less against the Utah Jazz. <laughs> so I don't see how this is going to be productive. I mean, I took Oklahoma City's over because I just, I don't know, SGA was really good. But yeah. aside from a fluke 26-point um, comeback so against the Lakers, they have looked, I mean, god-awful. That's what I was saying, man. They're they're not their plan is not to win games. Like Giddy is already getting crazy minutes, and he's not even a rookie who you'd think is like a guy you'd start on like day one. He's he he might be awesome though, dude. He's flashing though. He's he looks good. He's had some up and down games, but he's looked good. 
couple of great nicknames emerged for him, including Wizard of Oz, like AUS. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Because he's like a wizard with the passes. And Okay, we, we, you don't have to explain that. I, I just want to make that clear, um, that he's not an actual wizard. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't go to Hogwarts. Um, but, all right. So, anyway... Week into the season, there's so much to happen. I feel like next week we'll do another overreactions that that flip the script flip and all the, the things that we've said. Exact opposite direction. Everything we said, take the opposite. Lamella will be assigned will the Grizzlies, to the G League. Will the Wizards get a top three pick in the draft? <laughs> Bye. Um, but anyway, that is a wrap for us. We'll be back next week. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on all social media accounts. Um, you know, shout us out, send us a note. We're going to start doing some mailbags via Instagram. Maybe, maybe that's a better way yeah. to source questions versus like the email account email. that we've forgotten the password to. That might be a better option. Yeah. We'll take some questions. Uh, yeah. We'll come back with a mailbag next week or something else fun. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week.